0: Welcome back to the Beyond and On podcast. I'm your host, Spencer Martin. We are talking about the Giro d'Italia. We have the final road stage tomorrow on stage 20. It's a brutal mountain stage with the Dolomites. We have the Paso San Pellegrino, the Paso Pordoi, finishing on the Marmelada. I mean, it is a brutal, brutal stage. These are all really hard climbs. Um, if you have a chance to ride them, I highly recommend it. It's a beautiful part of the world. The GC has Richard Carapaz leading and Jai Hindley three seconds behind, Mika Landa a minute and five minutes behind, and then Vincenzo Nibali is in fourth, five minutes and 53 seconds back. I hinted in the rest day recap when the, via the newsletter that Nibali could be a danger in these mountains. I think unless we get just tons of rain and snow tomorrow and he can get, a, get away on the descents that he just doesn't have it when it comes uphill. We'd be overcomplicating this race to say anything other than Carapaz, Hindley, and Landa are the three strongest climbers and probably riders in general. And whenever the pace is lifted on the climbs, they are right there next to each other. No one else can match their pace. And even between those two splitting hairs, Carapaz and Hindley are a little bit stronger than Landa. We saw him distanced on a few stages. I think that was back on stage 17 where he came in. Uh, that was his biggest loss to date for Stage. He was a little over half a minute down when he came to the line behind Carapaz and Hindley, who who really have been locked together. Um, it's all it's almost freaky how equal they are. There way. was giving it to Carapaz a little bit in these contested sprints earlier in the race. Like, for example, on stage nine up to Blockhouse, Hindley won that. Carapaz was third, stage 14, summit finish. Or I mean these are like uphill finishes, maybe not technically summit. Hindley second, Carapaz third. Stage 16, Henley's third, Carapaz is fourth. Since then, Stage 17, Carapaz beat Henley. Stage 19 today, Carapaz beat Henley. Um, he didn't get time on those days, but the significance of that is he's showing Jai Henley, like I'm stronger than you. Don't mess with me. Don't try to drop me on these climbs. And as my co-host Johan Berniel says on Outcomes, my other podcast, he's doing this knowing that he's better than Henley because he wouldn't risk those accelerations if he thought Henley could counterattack him and drop him. So. It it is a big sign of confidence from Carapaz. And even though I thought he looked a little ragged earlier this week in some of the mountain stages, I just thought he looked like he was struggling to to hang on when Hindley would accelerate. Hindley looked easy. Um, His pedal stroke was a little bit better. I thought he had a little bit more pop to him. Every time he attacked, it seemed like his attacks were the hardest. It does seem like Carapaz is coming into himself and Hindley is fading a little bit. This could be famous last words if Carapaz cracks tomorrow but i don't think that's going to happen i mean my, my w- what this is an incredibly close grand tour um to, to have three seconds separate the top two riders going into the final two days of racing is very close it's not highly it's not it's not totally unusual though if you remember the 2020s Giro to tell you henley and teo giga were tied on time going into the final time trial so there is precedent for this there's there's precedent with henley himself and grand tours are just getting tighter i mean people there's this it's a fallacy where it's like we'll get to the mountains and, and minutes will matter, not seconds. Um, pay no mind to these to these gaps in the first week; these will not matter when we're getting four or five minutes in the mountains. Well, that's not how racing works anymore. And those gaps in the first week are so 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 important. I mean, if let's say Carapaz loses this in the final time trial, he's going to go back to Blockhouse and think, oh wow, I shouldn't have <laughs> I shouldn't have let Hinley beat me to that stage. But then even more controllably, they gave up bonus seconds going into that climb they had two domestiques come in ahead of Carapaz and he gave away bonus seconds he could have grabbed there so you know we've seen bonus seconds win grand tours and i think that was 2020 Car- Carapaz yeah rode the course faster than Primož Roglič but Primož Roglič just got more time bonuses and won the overall so these grand tours are getting tighter and tighter and tighter this is not uh, people seem surprised every time we get to the final week of a grand tour and this is the case but it is definitely a trend that has been building over the past few years. Even the year, Zero, which is the most insane of the Grand Tours and is the hardest to predict and most chaotic, I think over the last five years, the average gap between the winner and runner-up is 65 seconds. So it, it's a tight, tight course, you know, it's not the Zero of old where, um, where like Marco Pantani, we did a climb just a few days ago where Henley, uh, Carapaz and landed broke Pantani's record up it which is wild to think about since Pantani was probably the best climber i'd ever seen when Pantani did that in 1994 he beat miguel Indurain, one of the best riders of all time by three and a half minutes up that climb i mean just to put that into perspective that puts that into perspective because carapaz henley and landa came over the top of that climb together i mean that's just how much the level is has risen um you you could You know think oh that's bad that means they're doping i just tend to think it's a it's a rising of the level of these riders you know they've there's been a lot to iron out with cycling training over the years and they've got to a point where everything's so scientific and everything's so measured it actually makes sense that there wouldn't be huge differences between the top riders if you have three riders of similar talent and they're all preparing pretty much the same way It makes a lot of sense that they wouldn't be able to ride away from each other on the climbs. I mean, especially on the climbs. We've seen the biggest time gaps come in recent years in Grand Tours on the flats because more racecraft comes in. And we saw Jai Hindley dropped on stage 18. It was eventually overturned because he got a flat tire and the 3K rule dictates if you get a flat tire or a mechanical, a little ambiguous or a crash in the last 3K, you get the same time as the group you're with when that happened to you. But just imagine that doesn't happen and Henley is, is tailed off at the end of a sprint stage. He could, he would easily have lost more time on that sprint stage, which is over a minute than he would have lost at any point in the mountains in this race. And, and that's just how racing is evolving. And it makes a lot of sense when you think about it that way, where, well, these climbs are really just like little laboratories, like watts per kilo laboratories. If you're really fit, you can climb up even the hardest climbs at a pretty much predetermined pace relative to your competition. And if you're both very, very good at at the upper limits of what humans are capable of, and you're both fit and not sick and, and well fed and not bonking, you're going to ride up pretty much at the exact same speed. So mountains are no longer like a great place to pull out time. It's taken the sport a long time to adjust. And I actually don't think the sport has really adjusted. I have my own theory that pretty much just all races are time trials. You know These these climbs are time trials, basically, because you can't really draft, and then Grand Tours come down to time trials. Even though there's only 26 kilometers of time trials at this race, the time trial is going to decide the overall, most likely. I wouldn't be surprised if Henley and Carapaz go into the final stage either tight on time or with their current gap, about three seconds. And there's almost a funny inverse effect where the fewer time trial kilometers in a Grand Tour, the more important those time trial kilometers become, and the more of a time trial-focused race it is. It seems it's it's very hard to understand at first glance. You think, oh, 26 kilometers of TTs in the Giro. I mean, it's going to be insignificant. Miguel Lopez is going to win. Well, when everyone's so equal on the climbs, you ask, well, where are we going to pull out time? It's not the Tour de France. There's not a lot of crosswinds in the Giro. There wasn't a ton of ambush stages. And even when there was, teams were not putting major resources into trying to catch out the competition. So it really just leaves time trials. And even though there's was only 26 kilometers of them. To win a Grand Tour these days, you just need a few seconds, and you can get a few seconds in those, in those few kilometers. So you know that, that kind of explains this, uh, this shift to more closely packed racing that, w- that we're seeing in recent years. So tomorrow is going to be a GC day. We haven't seen very many of them in the Giro. It's kind of a funny thing we've seen over the past week where these big mountain stages just turn into Ineos lets the gap go and it turns into a breakaway day, and there's some sparring in the GC group behind. We're seeing this because Ineos, is, is they're just doing this on purpose because Henley was con, was so consistently beating Carapaz in these sprints that they're thinking, we're not going to pull it back so Henley can just beat us and take more time bonuses. That doesn't make any sense. You know, That instead of three seconds in the lead, they might be five, 10 seconds down if they would have pulled all those breaks back and had Henley and Carapaz contesting the stage win. So its it's been a sh- like a concerted strategy to let these breakaways get up the road eat up all the time bonuses it allows them to ride easier because no one in the group behind is going to attack because what's the point of attacking if there's a breakaway up the road sure you can get away but where are you going you know you're getting away from us going to no man's land it makes attacks irrelevant uh, i'll get into that in one second there's one point i want to make about that but that's why we've seen these, these breakaways go. And Enios has essentially been playing defense with a three second gap. It's, it seems a little crazy because you get to that final time trial and anything can happen. I mean, Carapaz is a better time trialist than Henley. I think their last time trial against each other was Terreno Adriatico. Henley lost by 10 seconds. But, you know, Henley hasn't really ridden a time trial seriously since the 2020 Giro d'Italia when he lost to Teo Gegenhardt in Milan. Um, he, he was a little lackluster in that TT, but also two years younger it was his first you know grand tour where he was contesting the win and the course was different you know he's on different gear I think you know I would not feel comfortable with a three second lead especially if I was in and I probably could have been more aggressive here it's it's a really risky strategy we just don't know how Henley or Carapaz is going to react in that final time trial so yeah it's it's a strategy that they did and yeah, you know, I, I understand why they did it. I just think it has been a little risky how defensive they played everything. Um, and then Carabaz has been trying to drop them at the finish, but he's just not been able to. So, it, you know, they'll look like geniuses if they win this in the time trial in Verona. They'll look like idiots if Henley beats them. So um, the verdict, verdict is still out on that. It will either be a terrible decision or a great decision. But just on the breakaways, I, I've fielded a few questions on this over the past few days since we've seen so many breakaways, specifically yesterday when it looked like the sprinters screwed it up or they let the breakaway win people weren't quite sure what happened but the thing you have to understand is the, the peloton needs the breakaway especially on an easier state easier the cor- the parkour's the route the more the they need the breakaway because if there's no breakaway everyone will be attacking from the peloton all the time trying to get up the road to win the stage but if there's a breakaway three four minutes up the road even two minutes n- people can't bridge that so yeah you can attack the peloton but where are you going to go? You know, it doesn't matter if you finish a minute in front of the peloton, unless you're a GC rider, but you're two minutes behind the breakaway. What was the point of that? So it pacifies the peloton. It makes the day much easier. It gives the day a rhythm because you let that gap go out. You start slowly pulling it back. It makes the race much easier to control. That's why the breakaways are allowed to go at the beginning. But what happened on yesterday is they got too close too early. And if that happens, you, you absolutely don't want them dangling like 40 seconds off the front, especially if they're strong, because it means someone could bridge up to them, especially if it's a climb. You know, we saw yesterday with that climb, they needed to give them about a minute and a half on the climb. They gave them two and a half minutes, probably 30 seconds too much. They should have kept it at about two minutes. But what happened before that is they were way too aggressive about reeling them in. The breakaway protested, just sat up, said, F you, basically. If you guys want to keep us on a short leash, we'll let you catch us. And then you deal with the new breakaway that goes, that's even better than us because they've been sitting in the wheels for the last 100K. And then, you know, it's the devil you know versus the devil you don't. You'd rather have the breakaway cooking out there versus a fresh one that forms at 70K to go. You probably can't pull that one back. So the Peloton panicked when the breakaway sat up because they really didn't want to catch him. And it was a genius move from the break because it allowed them to just kind of ride easy you know they, they were building their gap up to two and a half minutes doing nothing essentially they got to that final climb they, they j- jammed up and over the final climb the peloton can't go as fast because they can't drop the sprinters and once they get to the other side you've turned you know 170 kilometer day into a 45 kilometer day and a strong group of three can beat a peloton over 45 kilometers especially if they have a two and a half minute gap to start so it was a really beautiful Tactical game, the breakaway played and won there. That was really fun to see. But t- w- things to watch tomorrow is we've seen the Bora team of of Hinley try to be aggressive, and they are strong. But it kind of imploded today that they were, you know, at the front driving the pace for like the second half of the stage. They got to the final climb, and Ennios just went to the front and really stuck it to him. And when Carapaz attacked, he immediately dropped every Bora rider except for Henley. So that was him kind of showing them like, Hey, you guys can do what you want. You can have all your riders here. But as soon as I go, it's, it's me versus him. So it doesn't really matter. Don't try too much was the message. But Bahrain, the Bahrain team of Landa is very strong, strongest team in the race. I think, um, the only problem is land is not the strongest rider, but that Bahrain team, especially with that gap, that buffer Landa has, I think they're going to get one or two riders up in the breakaway, get over the, you know, the first two climbs at least, and then and then have some fun behind. Jack that pace up on the Pellegrino. Jack it up again on the poor die. Get Landa off the front. Let him get down and over that descent. If he's isolated with Carapaz and Henley, even better because then you have two riders waiting on the other side. And, you know, if you can do that far enough out, you could make it kind of interesting. But at the end of the day, this final climb is so hard that they're going to tackle. You know, Carapaz and Henley would be like, well, not great that I'm isolated because maybe I have a mechanical and I can't change a wheel with a teammate or they can't give me their bike. That's really the big risk because what do they care if Landa has two guys leading them out into the final climb? It's not like, "Wow, Poles can attack and then Carapaz has to cover them. It, they would just stay with Landa. And the, the final climb is so hard, it's there's not going to be teammates figuring into that anyway. It's just going to be those lead three Battling it out on this super steep climb, and the Zero's winner will, you know, in theory be decided there. You know, I think this is kind of a bold prediction. I think Carapaz and Henley are going to come to the line together again. Land is going to be a little bit behind them because even though the climb is hard, it's just going to confirm what we've seen throughout this race that Henley and Carapaz cannot separate each other themselves from each other on the climbs. Land is maybe not quite as strong. And I wouldn't be shocked, you know, it would really come down to that stage win. If Henley beats Carapaz, he takes the pink jersey going into the final day. That's good because he has time, but that's also bad because the pink jersey is so slow. You have to wear the race organizers issued pink jersey in the time trial. It's significantly slower than your team's skin suit. You know, it could be, you know, five. I've even seen numbers that would say like 10% or 10 seconds slower in a time trial of 17 kilometers. I think that's a little exaggerated. It probably all comes out in the wash. If you have two seconds on the other guy, it's probably a two-second difference that you're giving up in the jerseys. So, but at least mentally, I don't think Carapaz would be devastated if Finlay won the stage and, and took the pink jersey and he got to race in his, his own Ineo skin suit. But that will be that will be interesting to watch. And there's a bonification sprint halfway up the climb, which is crazy. I've never seen that before the final climb. So I'll be curious to see how those guys are um, going about grabbing those bonus seconds i don't think they're going to have any time gaps between each other at the finish i think it's just going to be whoever picks up bonus seconds is going to be the leader going into the time trial and then i do expect carapaz to win on that final time trial but you know i can't stress enough that anything can happen it's just really hard this has been a hard race it's hard to measure you know it's hard, it's hard to put into context like how tired and fatigued they are and really past results go out the window at that point you know it's just about form like who's who's on form who's coming up who's going down so far carapaz has looked i thought the best especially over the last two stages so i would expect him to be better in the time trial but tomorrow will tell us you know not only who's who's better tomorrow but who's going to be better in the time trial so i'm really excited to watch all right well i hope that was helpful explaining kind of the the nuances of what we should be watching and why these grand tours have been just so close going to the final few stages but Enjoy the racing, and I will be back on Tuesday. Not on Monday because that's a holiday, but Tuesday to kind of recap the race and break down exactly what happened. All right, thank you, and have a great weekend. Bye.